The cabin doors are closed. Please put your phone on airplane mode and start listening to this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, I wanted to thank every single person that I was able to meet and present in front of and work with and speak to at LeakyCon. This weekend was absolutely incredible. From the mischief management team to all of the guests that I got to meet and speak with and be on panels with to all of the listeners that I got to meet at the convention, at the meetup, both. I had such an incredible time and it just warms my heart to know and it just warms my heart to see that the Potterless community and the Harry Potter community as a whole are just incredibly welcoming and I'm just so appreciative for all of you and for the entire LeakyCon team for having me and I'm excited to do it again at Boston and hopefully do it again in Orlando which they just announced in the future so thanks again this is one of the best weekends of my life and I'm excited to have more and more of these in the future and I mentioned Orlando this week I'm flying out tomorrow to go to Orlando for a podcast movement so if you are going to be there please hit me up on social media let's try to meet up say hi there's the Potterless live show on Wednesday and there is a panel that we're doing on Thursday if you want to see all of the information about that, you can go to multitude.production slash live, as well as the meetup that we're doing. So if you are in the Orlando area, but you can't make it actually to the convention, just head to multitude.production slash live, and you'll be able to see all of the details. And speaking of the awesome Potterless community, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Nicholas Marone, Lauren N. Ortgeisen, Sam Wong, Lauren Galina, Megan Brady, Mrs. Diana, Dan McFeely, Marin, Rasika Kangutkar, Kyle Bazal, Rita Gomes, Cassie Harp, Danielle Lockwood, Samantha Thompson, Zarmina Nyazi, Zoe Richards, Travis Gilmore, Aurora Rosa Joint Burgett, Julia Akmanova, Thanos Kuvaras, Anik Lesion, Katie Ozan, and Hannah M. Diebold. Shout out to Sabrina Balsiger, Jessica Barr, and Amelie Krebs, who upgraded their pledge. A huge shout out to Lauren Wainwright and my niece Aurora Fruhoff, who upgraded to the producer level status, as well as our new producer level patrons, Brett Clausen, Connor Snell, Samantha Lentz, Kayla M. Simono, and someone who made their name Yes I Can in response to Can't I Potter? They joined the ranks of Vicky Aaron, Jesse, Natalie Cloud, Frank Marchismo, Samantha Juan, Abid, Rosemary, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Kamel, Russell, Audra, Eleanor, Sydney, Rosanne, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Alex, John, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alicat, Hallie, Veronica, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Kerry, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Elisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Srujanetta, Tumnus, Remy, Matt, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Colleen, Harlan, Sheldorp, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Jenny, Nikki, Kara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Sky, Mart, Sarah, Peter, Yash, Marta, Stephanie, Justine, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Violet, Kat, Lindsay, Fielding, Keegan, Miranda, Gail, Mr. Folk, Heather, Adam, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Heaven, Callahan, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Vile, Itzel, Mitch, Al, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Edel, Kelsey, Ellie, Professor Threat, Kelly, Alubin, Maleo, Lena, Daniel, Rebecca, Lee, 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 Elizabeth, Abby, Lika, Michael, Earmuffs, Kara, Tiffany, Kelly, Nadia, Andrea, Courtney, Sparkle Cat, Carrie, Jamie, Lissy, Camillo, Connie, Janet, Mary, Imo, Malin, Anastasia, Jaden, Nedry, Matt, Riley, Will, Zephyr, Artemis, and Can't I Potter? Who never spill water all down their chests when trying to take a sip out of an algae. If you want to be like one of these awesome patrons and get access to bonus content, exclusive merchandise, live streams, my notes, stickers, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 88 of Potterless, covering the first half of chapter 36 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring my fiance and the web designer for Potterless, Kelly Beckman. Chapter 36 is called The Flaw in the Plan, right? The Flaw in the Plan. Okay. 
And then the epilogue is called 19 Years Later, i.e. the unnecessary. Yes, i.e. this shouldn't have happened. <laughs> Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 27-year-old man reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that 27-year-old man, and I am joined by my lovely fiance and web designer of the Potterless website and the horse website. It's Kelly Beckman. Kelly, how's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm doing very well. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen you. I know. <laughs> it's been a really long time. It has been a long time since you've been on the show, though. It has. And it's been a long time since we actually read these chapters in person together. Yes. And it's been a while since we've done that, We too. finished them in late June, right before seeing Cursed Child. Yes. And now we're recording this. Was that this. June? Really? I think it was. Or was it July? I think it was. No, it oh, was June. Oh, I thought June. it was earlier than that. Yeah. No, yeah. it was definitely in June. And now it's August 2nd. So it's been a little bit of time. Yeah. But I've refreshed on the book, as have you, because yes. when we first read it, you refused to let me take notes and stuff because I have to start and stop when I do that. Well, I refuse to let you... When we read the books together, I'll read to you, mm -hmm. but you make me stop every like three words so that you can take notes. Yeah. So it's really frustrating and my <laughs> my voice goes out and I'm like, I just want to get to the story already. <laughs> and so I read for a while and then we put on the audiobook for a while. But yeah, I wouldn't let you stop and take notes. But I did. I had to go like clean something, I think. And I came back and you had been listening for 10 minutes without me. Because I couldn't stop. It, I was so I was upset. like, I'm going to stop. <laughs> but that we... was so upsetting. I don't remember which part it was, but it wasn't like the end or anything. We did record the audio of me reading the final chapter. We yes. just put my phone on voice memo mode as I read the whole thing aloud. So... Throughout this episode, there will be little bits of my reactions yes. spliced in, and I'm very excited because I, uh, some are very good. I took some sneaky video recordings yes. as well. We'll have to put those on the Instagram account for Potterless, so go follow us there <laughs> and check it out. But without further ado, let's get into chapter 36, the final chapter, which is called The Flaw in the Plan. I really like that chapter name, too. I just think it's very poetic. I do too. I mean, it was confusing because I didn't know. It's funny you because, yeah. it, well, it's named after Voldemort, technically. It's the flaw in Voldemort's plan. Yes. Which is interesting to name the last chapter of the book about the bad guy, basically. Oh, yeah. It's very poetic, though. I, I like it. And it's it's the seeds that JK has been planting Sewing. throughout. <laughs> Sewing. It is. I paused when I said JK because... Because what? <laughs> because I've been listening to so much BTS that Jungkook is JK is oh what they call him. And I was like, wait, oh. it's JK, right? There's only one JK now, and that's <sighs> Jungkook. <laughs> For Kelly's new podcast, bts list, where she becomes a rapidly obsessed BTS fan, go check that out. Yeah, we should have started that like two months ago, if that's the case. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you went from being confused as to why I liked them into the most super I, fan I've ever met. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I know you are. You refuse to play any other music. I don't listen to other music now. I'm like on day 15 or something in Duolingo of Korean. <laughs> <laughs> so who's your bias in BTS? Jimin. And then who's your bias wrecker? Or what? your counter bias? It's like the your second place person. Oh. Oh, that's really that No, it isn't. That's it's really hard for no, me. No, it's going to be Suga. I love Suga. I know you do. I love Suga so much. He's so perfect. I do wonder if I had been introduced to BTS by anybody other than you who was already 
biased for Jimin. Yeah, because he's perfect. If I would have had a different bias or if I am biased by your bias. No, you would have picked Jimin. He's I think a, I would have picked Jimin. He's, he's perfect. perfect. <laughs> he's perfect. But I do love Suga and J-Hope. J-Hope's my boy. J-Hope he's my second favorite. J-Hope is phase. so amazing. And mm-hmm. I, I also do love Jungkook. And also V is really growing okay, on me. We gotta, okay, but then this also- is a Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> so Harry is, wakes up and he's back in the forest. He's not dead anymore. You can cut however much No, nope, we're keeping the whole want. thing. <laughs> so Harry's back in the forest, but he is in significant pain. The place where the Avada Kedavra spell hit him hurts, which makes me very intrigued as to what exactly Avada Kedavra does, like how it actually kills the person. <laughs> Do you know how? Magic. Okay. Thanks, Kelly Beckman. <laughs> So I said, I'm here for a spicy hot takes. <laughs> like I'm now an equal Harry Potter expert. <laughs> I'm on par with everyone now. Slash higher than most. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean there's a whole lot of like fan theory and fan fiction, but more fan theory and theories of the book that you have yet to delve into. That is true. That is true. But as far as book knowledge, yeah, you're you're far surpassing most people. <laughs> well now I know a lot of like weird details. Like, yeah. oh yeah, Florian Fortescue is the ice cream shop owner. So Harry plays dead, which is incredibly smart. (laughs) So smart. He had expected a bunch of cheers from the Death Eaters, and he's not sure what's going on, but we will learn later what is happening there. Instead, there's a bunch of whispers and murmurs. And the first person to speak is Bellatrix, and she just says, my lord, my lord, back and forth. As if to a lover. I was about to point that out. Which is so creepy. Well, it's creepy, but then it's even creepier because we've both seen Cursed Child, and that's a whole tangent of bullshit that doesn't make any sense. You're telling me Bellatrix? You're, uh, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen Cursed Child. But you're telling me Bellatrix has been pregnant this whole time? What a bunch of bullshit. Mm, mm, ooh, yeah, wait. Oh, the Voldemort timeline dies. doesn't work out. So Hold Bellatrix on. has to be pregnant. Oh, yeah. The timing doesn't really work out because, let's see, Albus is 11 mm-hmm. in the 19 years later. Mm-hmm. So they waited eight years to have kids. And Albus is the same age as what's his name again scorpius Scorpius. so that means bellatrix gets pregnant in eight years well no because what's her face is older she's older than both of them what the girl their kid oh that's right it's not scorpius Scorpius. isn't actually their kid i also would hypothesize while we were watching the play i remember now obviously it left a lasting impression oh yes all two days of it (laughs) the impression that i got is that bellatrix has already had the kid that sometime in the portion of time where we haven't really, she hasn't been prevalent in the books. Oh, you think that she that's... had the kid before all of this was going down? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. I'd have to go back and look exactly at what this girl's age is supposed to be. Yeah, I don't remember really. We can do that in the Cursed Child episode. Yes, we'll get into that whole tangent <laughs> how that's awful and the worst and it doesn't make any sense and I hate it. Mm-hmm. But we'll continue with, you know, the book. This chapter is actually good, unlike the Cursed Child. So Harry's wand is still safely inside of his robe, as is the invisibility cloak, which is nice. After a third, my lord, Voldemort says, that will do. And Harry opens his eyes very minimally, just like any good player of Heads Up 7 Up. You have to just like manage how much you can open your eyes. While I was reading this, I tried. Doing it? I tried like closing my eyes and then just like looking natural still in my face, but then like opening. Yeah, the key is just like doing it to where your eyes still look closed, but you're looking through your eyelashes. And then when you're playing Heads Up 7 Up, you just note whose shoes are there. You little cheater. Oh, yeah, dude. What? That's how you win Heads Up 7 is that why I always lost? <laughs> yeah, you, you cheat to win the game. <laughs> Cheater. I'm just using advantages for the context of the game. <laughs> 
I did get in trouble once in first grade for cheating during the <gasps> dubstep map. Really? Yeah, Somebody caught you? Mrs. Rice, who then became my favorite teacher because she taught advanced math in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. So I had her for those three years. But in first grade, she was just subbing for one of our classes. You had the same first grade teacher? As, no, no, oh, no. She, was she was subbing and she was doing Heads Up 7 Up with us. And she could tell that my eyes were open. So clearly, I wasn't doing did a good job. Did she call you out in front of everyone? She did. Oh, my and goodness. And then I tried to... That's like the worst thing you can do to a kid. I know. And then I tried to like make up some excuse. And then she was like, don't talk back to me. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, Mrs. Rice is awesome. Like, no. I'm glad she didn't take crap from six-year-old Mike Schubert. Yeah, but here's the thing. If a teacher had done that to me, I think it would have broken my spirit. It did make me really upset. I would have felt so awkward and so like, I don't know. I don't think I would have been able to deal with it as a first grader. I was okay. I mean, I never cheated in Heads Up 7 Up again. (laughs) So it worked. At least not in class. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, at least not with Mrs. Rice watching. I could get by Mrs. McGlone easy money. While Harry is doing this, he sees Voldemort getting to his feet and Death Eaters backing away. So that's why there were no cheers. Harry now realizes that something had happened when he hit Harry with the spell. Something also knocked Voldemort down. So he wonders if Voldemort also was knocked unconscious and just came back to life. If he had some sort of -of out-of-body experience like Harry did. There is silence. But then Voldemort orders Narcissa to go examine Harry. And we don't know that it's Narcissa at the time. At first, he just tells someone to examine him. And then Harry is shocked by how soft the hands are. And then this person whispers to Harry, is Draco alive? Is he in the castle? Because this person had felt Harry's heart. And his heart is obviously still beating. So the jig is up for sure. But she has more priorities than this. She really only cares about her kid. And now I realize why people kind of liked Narcissa, which I never understood. But now I get it. I know that this isn't the flaw in the plan, but this is a pretty big flaw in the plan. There's definitely more than one flaw that happens in this plan. Like, that's the stupidest thing. Go check him yourself or Pick somebody who you haven't been bullying on. Like, pick Bellatrix to go over there. Someone who, like, you know is loyal to you. Yes. The other thing I don't really get is I don't know how Harry being dead helps Narcissa get to Draco any sooner. So the narrator somewhat reveals this in in that I think what they tried to get across was that Narcissa didn't really want to join the Death Eaters in the fight. She just went with them because that was the only way to get into the castle safely. Right. Like the narrator says she knows that the only way to go into the castle is part of the conquering Mm -hmm. whatever. Yes. But if she just says, oh, he's still alive, someone stab him or like try again or, you know, just like kill him again then he would be dead and she could go back. I think there's a couple things. First, if Voldemort thinks he's won, the battle won't continue. So then Narcissa can go ahead and try to find Draco safely. And there's no risk there. The other thing is that she could be playing off of the fact that something was up when Harry was in the house and Draco didn't admit that Harry was Harry and and all of that whole situation when they were asking Draco to identify when Harry was beat up with the face. So maybe she noted that Draco was hesitant towards being mean to Harry. So she was thinking there's something to that she should also be nice to Harry. I mean, perhaps. I think it's more than what the narrator is saying. The narrator is saying she wants to pretend he's dead so she can go to the castle. But it's more of she's not really there for the cause. She's not really a Voldemort supporter if she doesn't care if Harry's alive or not. And that, to me, says more about her than just... Like, she doesn't want this innocent person to die. Yes. Even if it's what Voldemort wants. Yes. As opposed to it's just a means to the end of her plan 
of getting to Draco. Right. I do think it goes more than that. I feel like she probably turned on Voldemort the second that he put Draco's life in danger. Yeah, and oh, then yeah. they were shitty to the Malfoys the oh, yeah. entire time after. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure she's not his biggest fan. I don't know if she went into this having a plan, but maybe once she feels Harry's heartbeat, she realizes, oh, I can both make sure my kid is safe and get back at this guy who yeah. tried to murder my son and then later in the chapter says that he will murder her son. Yeah. Uh, and she's just really concerned about getting to her kid safely. Also, it says that Harry opens his eyes a millimeter. <laughs> Classic metric system. Classic metric system. So Narcissa lies saying that he is dead and then all the Death Eaters celebrate. They shoot a bunch of spells into the air, which... Good for them. Voldemort gets really excited and he tries to stunt on Harry by crucioing him, throwing him up and down into the air three times. Harry's glasses even fly off at one point and Harry just has to focus on staying limp as much as he can. But he does note that the pain that he was expecting wasn't there. And I was wondering, is there a reason why Crucio didn't hurt here? That confused me too. The first time that I read it and like the 10th time that I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think what it is here is it's the love magic thing right. again. He died to protect everybody. Mm -hmm. So Voldemort, as we see later, all of his spells don't do anything to anybody. I don't know to like what extent. I don't know. I mean, it could just be he is in he's in like Tony Hawk Pro Skater overdrive mode. Hey, editing Mike here with a correction. I was trying to refer to Tony Hawk's Pro Skater special mode, which you build up. And when you reach it, you can ride a little bit faster, jump a little bit higher, land harder tricks. I am so terribly sorry to all of my ride or die Tony Hawk fans that I couldn't remember the name of this in the moment. Please forgive me. Anyway, back to the podcast. It's something where everything you're super bravo. He got the glowing star in Super Mario. He did star power in Guitar Hero. <laughs> yeah, but I guess the thing I don't get is like he's got this love magic now. Right. So he has protected everybody that he was aiming to save. Mm -hmm. So he's protected everybody in the Order and Dumbledore's army and himself. I guess. And his mother's love magic had protected him from an unforgivable curse before, from mm -hmm. the killing curse. And so now his love for himself is protecting him from the Crucio curse. And everybody else that's in this cause. And that means now that like when Voldemort goes back to the castle and starts like fighting people and we see him get into like dueling battles, he can't actually do anything to them. Like He can't actually kill them. This was the one thing that I was just like, I don't. I don't agree. Yeah. And Harry talks about a little later in the chapter where he says that because he had the intent and he meant for himself to die. He does cite the love magic as why his little charms of trying to get everyone to silence doesn't work. Yes. And like why the body buying curse doesn't work on Neville. Right. But then like later when he's, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves in the chapter, but later when he's battling McGonagall and Kingsley and whoever the Slughorn. Slughorn. We'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> so close to being a perfect three. <laughs> They can't actually be hurt by what he's doing. I mean, they don't, I don't. They don't explicitly say that, but I think it could just be that the, whatever the love power is, it's it's helping out like when it's extremely needed. And one thing right now that is extremely needed is Harry needs to look like a dead body. Yeah, and he's able to do so. And yeah. if he had pain from Crucio, he wouldn't be able to act limp. Yeah, I was always confused by this. I think the first time I read it, I thought that. He just was so happy he couldn't even feel the Crucio. He was so happy to be alive and so like 
happy that his plan was working. Yeah, it could be just like an adrenaline like, like an adrenaline. He couldn't feel the crucio. That's what I always thought it was, but I think it's supposed to be the love magic thing. Okay. We'll have to see. This is an interesting thing to discuss. But yeah, it just stood out to me that uh, it didn't hurt him like it was supposed to. So Voldemort then orders Hagrid to bring Harry's body to the castle, which classic hubris moment yep, here. Yeah, flaw in the plan right there, too. Yeah, so we're up to two flaws in the plan so far. <laughs> Voldemort. Oh, he gives him back his glasses. He, like, insists that somebody puts his glasses back on yes. his face. Yes, so that was my next point. So he <laughs> makes sure that Harry has his glasses back on. He says to Hagrid that he, quote, must be recognizable. <laughs> So I love that Harry Potter is just fucking reverse Clark Kent, where if he has his glasses off, no one knows who he is. Like <laughs> This happened before, again, when Hermione did the disfiguration to make his face look all puffy or whatever. And everyone's like, I don't know, doesn't have his glasses on, can't tell. Like, I don't, I just, what? Like, how could, uh, it's, this is ridiculous to me. But again, it is just like a perfect little hubris moment to be like, mm-hmm. we got to make sure he's got his glasses on. Because that would have been funny if Harry does all of this, pretends to be dead, and then when he reveals out from the invisibility cloak, he's like, has anyone seen my glasses? (laughs) (laughs) So somebody who remains unnamed slams Harry's glasses back on his face with deliberate force, which is a dick move. Well, they think he's dead. I know. Still, it's an adult throwing glasses on a dead body. Like, come on, dude. You don't need to do this. So Hagrid carries him crying. Harry notes that the tears falling on him are very big, which very convenient that one didn't like land in his mouth and he starts coughing or something. That would have been real (laughs) bad. Up his nose. Exactly. Harry dares not to tell Hagrid that he was alive, which is incredibly smart because Hagrid has no poker face at all. If Harry had done anything to give a sign that he was alive, Hagrid would have flipped out and they both would have died right there and the book would have ended. So I'm glad that Harry just kept his lips zipped. The Death Eaters proceed onward with Voldemort and two giants. As they're making their way through the Forbidden Forest, they pass the centaurs. And Hagrid yells at Bane, saying, are you happy, you bunch of nags? Which, have you ever heard someone called a nag before? I'm assuming it just means, like, annoying person. I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, just so we can get Dottie in the mix, we're going to turn to our UK correspondent, Dottie James, to let us know if nags is something that people still say a lot to this day. And now it is time for British Quandaries with UK correspondent, Dottie James. Hi, this is Dottie. Hi, this is Rosianna. Rosianna came from the previous Potterless episodes to tell you what nagging means. So to nag someone is to bother them, to persistently, yeah, to persistently bother them. But I think actually means nag is from the word for horse. So you see a lot of pubs around London called like the nag's head, which is the horse's head. So a bunch of nags is someone who's like bothering and annoying, but it's also like a bunch of horses. There you go. This has been British Quandaries with UK correspondent Dottie James. I know so much. Asking if they're happy now that Harry Potter is dead. He's very upset at them for not going into the battle. But we'll see what happens with them later. So as they get to the castle, Voldemort magnifies his voice and says, 
Harry Potter is dead. He was killed trying to run away to save himself while you lay down your lives for him. And I screamed, liar, at least internally, if I didn't do it while I was reading. Because I don't like that Voldemort is trying to make Harry out to be someone that he's not. This is not cool. Everybody knows he's lying. I hope they do. He continues and says, we bring you his body as proof that your hero is gone. The battle is won. You have lost half of your fighters. My Death Eaters outnumber you. And the boy who lived is now finished. There is no more war. Anyone who wants to resist, man, woman, or child, will be slaughtered, as will every member of their family, which is super intense. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but that's still rough. Classic villain right now. Mm -hmm. He then wraps it up with, Come out of the castle, kneel before me, and you shall be spared. He kept going on just like, blah, 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 join me in the new world that we'll build together, which sounds awful. And then there's just absolute silence. Harry peeks through his eyes again and notes that Nagini is wrapped around Voldemort's neck and out of the super monkey ball sphere. What? You are not caught up on Potterless, are you? Have you released that episode? Mm, Whoopsie doodles. (laughs) Got lots of stuff going on right now. Lots of BTS to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Continue. But Harry can't get to his wand because if he started moving around since it's all tucked underneath, it would alert the Death Eaters that he is still alive. So McGonagall sees him and lets out a scream that is so loud that it shocks Harry. He didn't think it was even possible for McGonagall to make such a noise come out from her body. Bellatrix starts to laugh at this, which makes me incredibly angry. I don't like anyone poking fun at my homie McGonagall. She's so sweet. McGonagall, not Bell. I was like, what? McGonagall. That is a wild take. Her love for Harry, I mean. I do really enjoy that the end of this seventh book has truly shown McGonagall's love for him because I think throughout the series it was a bit of a tough love mom kind of thing. And now it's very clear that regardless of any sort of tough, bad cop persona that she might have had, it's all out of love for him. And she's so perfect. The survivors start rolling in. Ron, Hermione, and Ginny see, and their screams are even worse than McGonagall's. And the survivors all just start yelling and cussing out the Death Eaters until Voldemort screams silence with some sort of inherent charm that makes them all fall silent. So at this point, they are just in front of the doors that enter into Hogwarts. Voldemort orders Hagrid to set Harry down at his feet, which he says is where he belongs. So Hagrid does so. Voldemort starts smack-talking Harry, saying that he was nothing more than a boy who relied on others sacrificing themselves for him, which is kind of true, like a little bit, but then Ron hits him with, he beat you, which, nice, Ron, (laughs) real great. I thought that this wasn't anything special from Ron, but it does break the silence charm, and it allows everybody to start yelling things at Voldemort and the Death Eaters, so Voldemort has to do a more powerful silencing charm and this is important to note because this is going to happen a couple times Mm -hmm. Voldemort again lies that Harry was trying to sneak away and that's how Voldemort was able to kill him but then there are more flashes and bangs and it's from a challenger a mystery challenger Harry can't (laughs) tell who it is because he has to go between keeping his eyes closed versus just listening to things versus peeking out little bits Voldemort is able to stop whoever this challenger is and toss their wand aside and we learn that it's Neville Longbottom New Neville is so good. It's badass Neville. Yeah, badass Neville. Neville 2.0 is hype. I love this new Neville. New Neville's amazing. Amazing. I mean, old Neville, great too. But new Neville is a whole nother level. We've reached a new level of Neville. A new Neville level. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Voldemort doesn't want to kill Neville right away because he's a pureblood. He's saying that, oh, we could use people like you on our side, Neville Longbottom. But Neville replies saying, quote, I'll join you when hell freezes over and then screams Dumbledore's army and the crowd all cheers. Yeah, woo, ah, breaking the silence trump for a second time. Voldemort silences them and then he says, very well. And narrator Harry notes that he hears more danger in this quote than in any sort of spell or charm that Voldemort has done, which I think is true is like the biting cold evil little remarks from Voldemort are like more powerful than him being angry. Mm -hmm. Like him just being like biting is more efficient. Mm -hmm. Voldemort continues, if that is your choice, Longbottom, we then revert to the original plan, which so <laughs> cold, so cold. Like how can you not love Voldemort as a villain? He begins to wave his wand and flying in through a broken window comes the sorting hat, who I did not expect to yeah. make a return appearance. Yeah. Voldemort puts the hat down over Neville's eyes, says that there will be no more sorting at Hogwarts, says that there will be no more houses and the crest will be replaced with just the Slytherin crest. Basically, everyone is going to be Slytherins, which does not sound like an ideal Hogwarts to me. Before putting the hat on him, Voldemort hits Neville with a body binding curse, forces it on his head, and then he lights the hat on fire, which I also did not see coming at all. Mm -hmm. The entire hat and Neville start getting ablaze and Harry can't bear it at all. He thinks that he has to act. But then the narrator says, quote, and then many things happened at the same moment. I wrote down the same quote. <laughs> it just gets you so hyped. I know, it's you're like, so what good. things? You're just, yeah, very much so of just what's gonna, oh, what are the things? So the first of the things is that there's an uproar of people entering the castle who I'm not sure who these people are. You have told me that you believe it's Aberforth leading people back from the Hogshead. That's what I thought. Okay. I'm not I, sure. I don't know. I know some people have said stuff about it might be Slughorn, but we don't know if he's left or not. But when I have said publicly that no Slytherins fight, people have replied to me saying, oh, Slughorn comes back with some Slytherins. Oh, it says here. Mm, what does it say? And now there were more, even more people storming up the front steps. Yes, and Harry saw Charlie Weasley right, right. overtaking Horace Slughorn, who was still wearing his emerald pajamas. They seemed to have returned at the head of what looked like the families and friends of every Hogwarts student who had remained to fight, along with the shopkeepers and homeowners of Hogsmeade. So he doesn't bring back a bunch of Slytherins because it's the family <laughs> and friends of people who stayed and no Slytherins stayed. So I think we can assume no Slytherins came back with him either. Right. So if that is a bunch of people from Hogsmeade, which you'd assume is the Hogshead, who is this group of people? Who are the first people that show up? Is that group of people different from the first group of people where it says there is Charlie Weasley and Slughorn? Is that separate from the first group of people that happened where it says I think it's all the same. It's people. all the same group of people. That's what I, that's what I thought. Okay, so Team Hogsmeade comes in. So does Grop, and the two giants charge at him. The narrator says that they were, quote, running like bull elephants. Do you know what that is? Is that a type of elephant? I'm pretty sure that's like the male elephant. Oh, bull elephants. Which apparently right. is actually like like a hazard, like a thing that happens. Oh? My office has a project in Botswana, mm -hmm. and so like sometimes the people that are on that project will do fun things in that area and they went on a safari one of my coworkers was telling me that they got charged by an elephant that's like a concern there to get charged by an elephant and you just die if I that mean happens. they are very large yeah, and, and they, they trample you and so they basically like made it to the car in time which even that doesn't save you because it can overturn your car apparently and then um, the guy just like reversed back into 
one of the, one of our other coworkers apparently was taking a video and like didn't understand that they were like about to die. Oh, nice, cool. And so there's a video of the whole thing that he showed me. But yeah, so that can happen. Apparently, I didn't know that was a thing. I always just thought like elephants are nice, nice, <laughs> and like as long as you're not. It happens when you get in their area and you don't know you're in their area. I mean, why do you think elephants never forget? Because they're always holding on to vengeance. (laughs) They never let a grudge go by. So the centaurs also arrive, so glad they're finally getting in the mix. Harry throws the invisibility cloak over himself and then flees the area. Neville breaks free of the body binding charm. This is very important, again, that when the group just shows love or unifies against Voldemort, they're able to go against his charms. So he breaks free of the body binding charm. I assume he stop drops and rolls because he's on fire, but the flaming hat falls off of him and he grabs the sword of Gryffindor out from it. And I was super hyped at this point. And then what he does, which I was not expecting at all, and I know that my reaction was very strong and I will clip it in after, he fucking beheads Nagini in one stroke. Mm -hmm. It says the head flies into the air and Voldemort screams in fury. This is badass Neville part two. Yeah, this is huge. So now we cut to past Mike reading the book and reacting live. In one swift fluid motion, Neville broke free the body bind curse upon him. The flaming half fell off him and he drew from its depths something silver with a glittering ruby handle. Oh, the sword. The slash of the silver blade could not be heard over the roar of the oncoming crowd or the sounds of the clashing giants or of the stampeding centaurs. Okay, so the centaurs did come back. What took them so long? And yet it seemed to draw every eye. With a single stroke, Neville sliced off the giant... Whoa! Neville sliced off the giant... The great snake's head, which spun high into the air, gleaming in the light, flooding from the entrance hall, and Voldemort's mouth was open in a scream of fury that nobody could hear, and the snake's body thudded to the ground. What? Wow, how hype I was, and how hype I still am. This is so good. (laughs) So Harry casts a shield charm in between Neville and Voldemort because he knows that Voldemort is going to try to kill Neville after doing this. Does a shield charm protect against the killing curse? I didn't think it did. Um, I'm not sure. I thought when we when they learned it in the earlier books, it was like the Protego charm protects against simple charms and curses that like come at you. Yes. I, or maybe, jinxes and curses. Yeah. It could just be one of those things where a spell from a particular wizard is more powerful than a spell from a different wizard and Harry really wants to protect Neville, so it's a super Protego <laughs> kind of thing. And Protego you, Maximus. Yeah, it was super effective, so he did something that ended up working. So the battle rages on. All of the fighting then moves on into the castle. So Harry is searching for Voldemort and he finds him backing into the Great Hall. Harry just keeps going around while invisible, casting shield charms all over the place, which I think is really great. He's able to save Hannah Abbott and Seamus. And more people show up now, as you mentioned, including Slughorn, who's still wearing his pajamas, and Charlie Weasley, which has me very excited. All of those people, the narrator notes, is the friends and family of the people that are still staying there for the battle, as mm-hmm. well as everyone from Hogsmeade, people that live there, the shopkeepers, etc. I'm really excited to see Madame Puttyfoot getting in the mix here, see what she can throw, what she's got going on. I think that would be fantastic. The house elves then enter the fray. They come through with like tiny little like kitchen knives and start stabbing people in the ankles, which is great. I was at first wondering why they didn't do a bunch of magic, but can they not do 
powerful stuff without a wand? I know that they can do disapparition and stuff, but is that the only house elf magic that they can do without some sort of wand or no, device? No, they can do powerful magic. That's a good question. I don't know why they're not using their magic because I mean, they can do magic. Maybe they we've still have- We've never seen have... them do magic without a wand though, aside from apparate and disapparate though. Um, No, I know that in- in the movies, we certainly have. I can't remember if it's written the into the book. The movies can eat my shorts. Right. But I can't remember if the movies were showing something that was actually in the books when they did that. But like like Dobby with the... Oh, no. Yeah. Dobby with the levitating cake. Oh, right. Then, uh, he wasn't using a wand? Nope. Oh. They don't get wands. Okay. I know that in the movie when... At the end of the second movie when he tells Lucius that he's free and he's not his anymore, mm-hmm. he kind of like blasts him back when he comes at Harry. Oh. But I don't remember. That's not in the book. That's not in the book? Definitely not in the book. I would have remembered that. Because Um, I didn't like Dobby in that book. And if he had done that, I would have liked him more. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They have powerful magic and they don't get wands. Okay. I'm surprised they didn't use more of it because all all they describe is that they're like poking him in the ankles, which I guess helps. Your reaction to this was great. When Creature showed up, your reaction was pretty great. Hey, editing Mike here. Unfortunately, I messed up something with the voice memo mode thing. I think I stopped recording by accident after the Neville moment because I have my reactions to Neville. I have my reactions to the Molly Weasley moment, but I didn't have my genuine reaction to the house elf thing, unfortunately. It went something along the lines of, oh, nice. You know, I was very excited that they got in the mix and especially the creature got in there which i'm about to describe in the podcast i'm glad i like that he has gone full good and he leads the charge saying that fight them fight in the honor of my master who at first i was like oh he's calling harry's master that's sweet but then he's like regulus black i said oh come on creature i thought the same thing still super sweet he's wearing the locket the faux Mm -hmm. locket i do like that is it the faux locket or the real locket now oh he's wearing the faux locket still yes the real locket is a horcrux that they stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Death Eaters are incredibly outnumbered. You've got Lee and George overtaking Yaxley. You have Flitwick overtaking Dolohov. You have Hagrid beating up McNair. You have Ron and Neville taking down Fenrir Greyback. Ooh, Hagrid and McNair. That's a that's a fight for books in the mating, making right there. What happened with McNair before? McNair's the one who- Oh, who beheaded Buckbeak. Yeah. Oh, wow. Or who was gonna behead Buckbeak. Ah, yeah. That's good. So I feel like Hagrid's got a bit of vengeance yeah. right now. I wonder if they're gonna do this in the movie. Is Probably Hagrid- not. No, <laughs> the sad truth. This is a bad scene. Is Hagrid fighting with the umbrella? Huh. Like, is he doing spells and dueling with the umbrella? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember if they show that or not. Mm. I actually I actually do really like this scene in the movie. It's very poetic. They've got this beautiful sweeping melody in the background while they're running through the courtyard. And the creatures and the things that they come across one by one go in order of the books. So first they see a troll. Then they see spiders. Then they see Frenrir as a werewolf and And, and then so they on. see uh, blast-ended Scroots go in, a Sphinx come in. <laughs> something, something probably. I actually do like this scene in the movie. Mm. Then it's all downhill from here. We'll just, mm-hmm. you know. I'm also imagining that the song is Only Time by Enya. Who can say where the road goes? And they're all fighting in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> so then Ron and Neville are overtaking Fenrir Greyback. Aberforth is overtaking Rookwood. Arthur and Percy are overtaking Thickness, which is also very good because Percy, Thickness, very solid. And Lucius and Narcissa are just running around screaming for Draco Malfoy. (laughs) (laughs) Voldemort is dueling McGonagall, Kingsley, and Horace Slughorn all at once, which... 
So awful. That'd be like if Neapolitan ice cream came and it was like chocolate, nice, strawberry, nice. And then it was like fat free, flavorless frozen yogurt. What? It's so I close like to frozen being, yogurt. But fat banana. Free, plain. If it was banana flavored ice cream. If it was strawberry, chocolate, and banana instead of vanilla. From Neapolitan, which do you think is the best? Because I will die on the strawberry hill. I think it's the best of the three flavors. It depends. Individually, Brandon gave a thumbs up. Good. <laughs> Individually, like if I go get a scoop of strawberry ice cream, a scoop no, no, of vanilla no. it is, ice cream. It is you are eating Neapolitan ice cream and you have like a scoop of all three in your bowl or like mixed scoops. Yeah, but is what? it made with good vanilla? Yes, it's good. It's Bluebell. Oh, Bluebell's not good vanilla. Oh, what? Bluebell is not good vanilla. I will. V- Bluebell's vanilla bean is good. It's fine. I'm not even from Texas and I'm offended. I, you were born and raised there and you're I know. dissing the no, good name of Bluebell? Bluebell. Bluebell is good but bluebell strawberry versus blueberry vanilla i'm gonna pick blueberry bluebell strawberry but bluebell strawberry versus like van lewin madagascar vanilla what is the what van lewin's is van a, Lu- what who, van lewin's who is a really you? great ice cream place in new york uh, my van lewin <laughs> vanilla gosh. bean is far Michael. superior to the bluebell from your bluebell texas podunk strawberry town. versus like <laughs> Any specialized ice cream place that has a good okay. vanilla For, bean. Just, you go to the store and you pick up a thing in the Neapolitan. Which of those three scoops are you enjoying the most? Strawberry. Okay, cool. I'm glad <laughs> the wedding is because still they on. Use, because they use <laughs> crappy vanilla in those. That is so strawberry, true. chocolate, and then vanilla would be my order. But what am I going to order when I go get a good cup of ice cream? I'm going to order vanilla and then strawberry and then chocolate. Right. The real answer is you're just going to get coffee ice cream because that's the best flavor yes. anywhere ever. Yeah. Okay, cool. The wedding isn't canceled. Are we having coffee ice cream? <laughs> We're having coffee and then only strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> or we're gonna we'll custom make our own Neapolitan and we'll make sure that the van the we'll make sure that the <laughs> vanilla is airmailed in Van Vanilla Bean. <laughs> Have you not been there? No. We should go. It's really it's it's good. Okay, we're going. It's like a p- New York staple. Okay, we'll go and you'll pay. <laughs> okay, we'll get vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, past Mike, you're so silly with the way you talk about dates with Kelly. Since you haven't been talking about Harry Potter for the last few minutes, let's keep it up with a little bit of Wingardium Adriosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Wix. Let's say hypothetically that you just believe that you've destroyed your archenemy, a teenager, and you want to brag to the world that he has been defeated. And you've tried your megaphone charm, but that's only getting to the people at Hogwarts, and you really want to spread it far and wide. What are you going to do? You're going to create a website, and how are you going to make that website look really pretty and easy to use? You're going to use Wix. Wix is the fastest and simplest way to make a website. They have over 400 templates to choose from that range for various different purposes, whether you are trying to show off your photography skills, or promote your band, or brag about murdering a teenager. I have used Wix for the Potterless website, the Horse website, and my personal portfolio website, and it's really simple to use. They have a lot of great tips and tricks. They even will give you little suggestions while you're making your site to give you advice for things like how to make it show up better on Google for SEO. All a bunch of little hints along the way to make sure that your website looks really solid, functions really well, can be found on the internet. It's incredibly helpful. And updating the website is so simple. 
people, and it's incredibly reliable. I've never had any of my sites crash before, which is really nice. That That's just not been a problem for me. And above all else, Wix has made everything really nice and elegant and easy to use for someone like me who has no clue what they're doing in terms of web development. And if this sounds interesting to you, you're in luck because as a Potterless listener, you can get 10% off Wix Premium if you go to potterlesspodcast.com slash Wix and click the link. Wix Premium allows you to add new features like custom domain names or email addresses, a bunch of fun stuff there so you can take as much time as you want on the free version of Wix, make your site look as pretty as possible, there's no time limit, and then once you're ready to upgrade, you can do so and get 10% off if you go to potterlesspodcast.com slash Wix and click the link. So use that code and make sure that your website announcing the death of a teenager looks really pretty today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Now, in the Harry Potter world, you have troubles with cell phones in that no one can use them on Hogwarts because technology gets all wonky and stuff. In the non-wizarding world, you have troubles with cell phones in that you can have awful contracts where you get ripped off all the time. Now, you can have a solution to that problem by using Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile sells wireless phone service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass those sweet savings on to you so that you can get wireless plans as cheap as $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You won't have to worry about overpriced monthly bills or unexpected overages. And also, every plan comes with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. I have Mint Mobile hooked up on my work phone right now, and... Every phone call I've had, crystal clear. Every time I've had to use data, very quick. Using hotspots is something that I also get with my plan, and I love having that flexibility. So if you want to ditch overpriced wireless bills, you can do so with Mint Mobile. They have a limited time deal, and you can get a premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash potterless. That's mintmobile.com slash potterless. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com potterless. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So if you want to solve your muggle problems with phones, use Mint Mobile today. Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert. That's right. I'm the same Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to hear something similar, well, boy, are you in luck because I make a very similar podcast to Potterless called The Newest Olympian. That is the one that's going on currently. If you get caught up with Potterless, you will see that I only post episodes every month or so. But The Newest Olympian has weekly episodes, and that is a podcast with a similar structure to Potterless. But it's about the Percy Jackson books. That's right. I also didn't read those as a kid. So if you want to hear me going through that whole series for the first time, you can listen to The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Newest Olympian or going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. I've made my way through the first five books so far. I covered the first movie and the TV show. I did interviews with people who made the TV show, and I'm soon getting into the Heroes of Olympus sequel books. So again, that's The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. So, let's close see. my book. We took so long on that. I closed the book. I'm going to find my... Uh, so anyway, it was so close to being a perfect three. And honestly, in my mind, what I wrote in my notes is I'm just going to pretend that it was Kingsley, McGonagall, and Charlie Weasley, and I'm just going to live in that mm. headcanon for the rest yeah, of my life. Yeah, this is the supposed redemption arc of Slughorn. Yeah, I don't give a shit. He sucks. Bellatrix is fighting Hermione, Ginny, and Luna, which is actually a perfect three, and I would love that spinoff series. And Bellatrix is getting ready to curse Ginny, but then Harry is knocked sideways by 
Molly Weasley, who screams something that I didn't think you could do in a Harry Potter book. This and... is actually your best reaction while you were while you were reading. Mm-hmm. We will definitely put in my little reaction. But she screams, not my daughter, you bitch. Yeah. Which, what? Did they have to do some sort of rating? Like, do books get rated like video games? Like maybe they get one curse word from this category and they're yeah. still allowed to be for rated E or whatever. Books don't have ratings, do they? No, they don't. I'm assuming that JK is thinking... <laughs> JK is thinking that if you've gotten to this point, you're an adult. <laughs> sure. Also, it's not the worst of all the curse words. They don't even bleep bitch on TV sometimes. Really? Uh, yeah. Mm. They haven't. I think they've gotten more lax with it. I feel like I've seen a lot of shows where they don't. Really? My mom watches The Real Housewives on Bravo, and That's they different. call each other bitch all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I was very surprised that a curse word would be anywhere in these books. Yeah, same. Mm. But anyway, here's past Mike's reaction. <laughs> he changed course running at Bellatrix rather than Voldemort, but before he had gone a few steps... Whoa, what? What? In Harry Potter? You can do that? This book isn't rated T for teen? Whoa. This is what Lauren Shippen was talking about? Wow. Holy shit. He changed course running at Bellatrix rather than Voldemort, but before he had gone a few steps, he was knocked sideways. Not my daughter, you bitch. In all caps. Mrs. Weasley threw off her cloak as she ran, freeing her arms. Bellatrix spun on the spot, roaring with laughter at the sight of her new challenger. Out of my way, all caps, shouted Mrs. Weasley to the three girls, and with a swipe of her wand, she began to duel. So I was very shocked, and I have to give an enormous shout out to Lauren Shippen, because this was the moment she was talking about that mm -hmm. she couldn't discuss when we were doing the debate of who's the best Weasley. And I get it. I'm not sure if this puts Molly over the edge of Ginny in my mind, but it does make her really good. I, and yeah. It does rise her stock incredibly high because this is a super stellar moment. Hot take. Mm -hmm. I would argue for Ron. Really? I like Ron. Did you forget the part where he ditched his friends yeah, but, when things got kind of hard because he was hungry? But then he came back. Cool. He has, he has growth and he has a character arc. He's an interesting character. He spent seven years of his life devoted to his friend. Yes. And he has seen a bunch of really terrible, traumatizing crap. And he maintains this light and airy humor and kind of feeling about him that he can still kind of crack a joke or break the tension. And he's seen just as much trauma as anybody else has, but he still has this kind of sunshine in him. And that's why I like him. Yeah, I do want to give Ron a bunch of credit. I know I've given him some grief. I do think he's very good and a good character. I don't think he's better than Ginny or Molly or Charlie's potential. But I have to give him credit because he didn't have to keep being Harry's friend. No, he's he a didn't. naturally scared person, or at least of spiders. And when things kept going wrong consistently year after year after year, he could have just told Harry, "Hey, I'm out, man. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore." Which he definitely could have done. But he's incredibly yeah. loyal and stuck with him, and I want to give him props for that. I don't necessarily blame him for leaving because he's a 17 year old kid and in a really rough situation, and he had the Horcrux on him, and he missed his family, and he felt like Harry was being disrespectful. I get it, but I 
just really like Ginny and Molly and Charlie. Also, they did tell us that the Horcrux affected Ron worse than it affected anybody else. That's very true. And you are not one to talk about people getting grumpy when they're hungry. Whoa. Because you are the biggest hunger grump I, ever. <laughs> I'm not the biggest grump of hunger. I go into autopilot when I'm hungry. You go Sometimes in, you go I get in, grumpy. You go into like, you don't talk. Yes. You don't like react to people. I go into energy conservation mode. My entire body is just focused on me not being hungry, so I don't show any emotion. You get... um. Oh, my mom said this. Okay, Kathy. My mom said you don't get hangry, you get anxious. Anxious. You get anxious when you're hungry or anxious at the thought that you might be hungry. That's right. I get anxious at the thought that I might get hungry because you and your mom both do this thing where you have a late like breakfast at 11 and you're like, yeah, we'll be good till dinner, right? It's I'm sorry. No. Yeah, you get really anxious around my family, especially. I don't blame your mom for not understanding but she is learning she is doing a better job of realizing we have to make sure mike is fed and she does still make fun of me for it and i'll take it as long as i also get food too you eat a lot i do you eat so much every food. coworker that i've ever had thinks i'm ridiculous with the amount of food that i eat it's because it is ridiculous you know you gotta do what you gotta do i'm very anxious about how much my grocery bill is about to like quadruple when we get married (laughs) don't worry i've got my six percent cash back at grocery stores card so we're good baby i spend like ten dollars a week on groceries oh yeah i spend a couple hundred a month i know (laughs) that's not even quadrupling (laughs) it's more Hey, Editing Mike here with a bit more information. I realize that not everyone listening to this podcast knows what I look like. I've heard a lot of people think that I am large and bearded because my voice is deep. I'm a lanky boy. I'm like six feet tall and 165 pounds. So what makes people think I'm ridiculous when I eat this much is that I'm still very thin and eat a lot of food. It's an amazing problem to have, but my metabolism is ridiculous and I try not to complain about it and I don't want to take it for granted and I know it'll slow down in the future. But this is why it is funny that I eat so much, because I do not look like I should be eating as much as I do. This has been Editing Mike, trying to make past Mike feel good about himself. (laughs) So anyway, Harry Potter, Molly pushes aside the three girls that were fighting Bellatrix, goes one-on-one, and the narrator notes that the ground around them gets hot and starts to crack. (laughs) And the narrator says, quote, Harry watched in terror and elation, which I think is a great combination of emotions. Mm -hmm. Bellatrix was at first laughing at Molly wanting to take her on, then changes to a snarl. And there's some students that come on up to try to help, and Molly screams at them, No! Get back! She is mine! So they continue to go at it. Everybody is watching. It says that hundreds of people are just watching this duel. It's incredibly hype, and if they mess this up in the movie, which they probably will, I'm going to be very upset. Bellatrix starts laughing again and asks Molly what will happen to her children when, quote, mummy goes the same way as Freddy. That's so horrible. It's awful. From a villain's perspective, it's it's really good. But from a human perspective, that is awful. How can you be so good and the worst at the same time? (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Thank you for all of this pandering. Bellatrix then lets out a laugh that matches the one that Sirius let out before he died, and narrator Harry notes that he knows what is about to happen. That's a low blow, comparing (laughs) Bellatrix and Sirius like that. Molly hits her with a charm right in her heart, and she dies with her face, much like Sirius, frozen in laughter. 
But they don't say what the charm is. No, they don't. And she never says, or at least the narrator doesn't note that she said Avada Kedavra. So we don't know if she used the killing curse or just did a stunning spell and it happened to be so close to the heart and so intense that it killed her. But there is a chance that Molly Weasley just straight up murdered Bellatrix intentionally. Well, yes. She went into this duel intending to kill her. I Sure, or at least intending to stun her and incapacitate her. Perhaps, but I think she went in for the kill. Yeah. Oh, no, no. She did go in for the kill because there's a point where the narrator says you can tell that they are both fighting to kill. Oh, yeah, they so, did say yes. that. <laughs> she definitely went in with the intent to kill. But I did find it a bit interesting just that the narrator kept it a little bit vague. So there's no confirmation. Yeah. I mean, other characters have died through things of, that are not the killing curse. Yes, and then badasses like McGonagall have been hit with multiple stunning spells at the same time and then didn't die. Yeah, but I don't think she hit her with a powerful stunning spell. You I think mean, of I know, I think there are other spells that kill too. Like oh, like what? Stabius. Nifus? Nifus. Or Wait, like, you also took Latin in high school? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Stabius, Nifus, <laughs> or like Arius Constrictum. Mm-hmm. Or um, blood vesselus drainius. <laughs> These are some incredible spells. I uh, yeah. Clearly, you have played more of the Harry Potter Hogwarts mystery game than yeah. I have. I've not gotten to. We this haven't part gotten yet. to the the killing chapter. <laughs> you haven't gotten to where Moody is a professor yet. <laughs> Voldemort sees what happens. He screams and is so angry that he sends Kingsley, Slughorn, and McGonagall flying away from him. He tries to attack Molly, but Harry, who is standing in between the whole time throws up a protego and then reveals himself and we're gonna cut it here because we have a whole lot to discuss in the rest of this chapter what it's been like an hour oh my goodness time flies when you're talking about bts i mean harry potter <laughs> so as we wrap up this one how do you feel kelly about this first half of chapter 36 and what has transpired thus far i feel like we haven't even gotten to the flaw in the plan yet but there's so many flaws in the plan We've already covered multiple flaws in mm -hmm. the plan but yeah, I, I mean, I think this chapter is really good. I think it yeah. is keeping the steam of the other ones and is very well written. It is, for me, a nice return to the action-packed chapters because we had the two chapters in between the Snape flashback chapter and then we had the Harry pretend King's cross flayed baby chapter where <laughs> it was a lot of learning Ew. and a lot of reading and a lot of introspection, not a lot of action happening mm -hmm. in those two chapters. Harry just walked to a forest, died, and then woke up. Whereas there's a ton of action going on in these chapters. I do think she writes good action. I do too. And I've been saying this. You would know if you were caught up on Potterless. No, I remember... <laughs> Uh, Brandon saying it too. Oh, yeah. big thumbs up from Brando. Yeah, in, in his episode, he said that she writes really good action. And I was like, yeah, she does. I agreed. <laughs> so she does, and she's been doing a good job. And I'm glad that it's back to it. And we start with this chapter. It just slowly ramps up. Yes. Because it, the chapter begins with more of this learning and confusion about what's going on. And then it gets full-fledged into a battle scene. And it really ramps up. And what will be in the next episode, the rest of the chapter, is just pedal to the metal, balls to the wall, super intense action. And I'm really excited about I it. I actually think the opposite of that. I think oh. we've had a lot of pedal to the metal, balls to the wall action right, right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's about to slow down into your classic like circling each other. True. I see Mufasa and Scar circling each oh, other when I read the, this next scene. That's what I see. Well, Simba and Scar. Oh yeah, Simba and Scar. Mufasa and Scar don't circle. They just long live the king. <laughs> Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen The Lion King. <laughs> but 
There's, yeah, a, new, you're, there's you're a new right. one. I don't know if they did it differently in that yeah. one. Uh, I haven't seen it. I'm afraid it's not going to be good. I'm afraid it's just going to make me want to watch the animated one. Oh, 100%. I'm going to go home and watch And it. watch the animated Let's one, yeah. That. We'll have a date night. We'll watch the real one and then go home and watch yeah. the animated That's one. That's what I did when we saw Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I yeah. went home and watched the animated one. Yeah, because that one was not great either. Yeah. Except for the Gaston song. Very good. Gaston song was better. Better. And I didn't that think. That was I so good. I went into good. that movie thinking as long as they don't ruin the Gaston song, I yeah. will be happy. And they somehow made it better. They I'm made LeFou a better yes, character, that and that's really how they made it. To. That's how they made it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. But you're right. You're actually right, because where we are breaking is at the crescendo of the action, because now it goes down a little bit. It's like in a movie or a song where you have the pre-climax. Like, it gets really hype, but then it calms down a little bit before the big hype moment, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm, we all know mm-hmm. is coming, which is Harry versus The key change Voldemort. is right around the corner. Yeah. I also just said pre-climax and then coming in the same sentence. So, so you're J.K. Rowling now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've... <laughs> Oh, man, just ejaculated that sentence out there. Oh, no. But Kelly, before we wrap it up, is there anything you would like to promote or talk about? Give a shout out. You have a Twitter now, which you didn't have before, so you can oh, promote yeah. that. I have a Twitter. Which your handle is. Um, let me look that it's, up. <laughs> it's both for I, me, Kelly B. I'm, I'm making sure before I say that. Oh, I just opened my Venmo. What? <laughs> Instead of my Twitter. If anybody yeah. wants to Venmo me, I'm... New social media manager, Kelly Beckman. <laughs> Uh, yes, at vote for me, Kelly B, which is because when I was in fourth grade, I ran for class president with the slogan, vote for me, I'm Kelly B. Who won that race? And I won that race. Boom! I have buttons and everything. Do you still have them? Oh, I don't know. I gotta look. Oh, please tell me your mom saved those. (laughs) I'll I'll look for them. But Kelly, thank you so much for joining. You're welcome. thanks for being my fiance and You're stuff. welcome. Thanks for making this podcast what it is. We are doing the Hey Arnold thumbs up thing in the middle. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they call Bellatrix a bitch, <laughs> wizard on! If you are unable to attend LeakyCon and if you're unable to attend Podcast Movement or both, don't worry. I've recorded the audio from every panel that I was on and I'm going to put them up as bonus episodes on Potterless's Patreon. So if you want to make sure you can listen to all of those in due time, they will all be up if you go to patreon.com slash Potterless. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Klaus Lopu, Frank Chiodo, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Abita Med, Rosemary Dodge, Maria Lisa Sikin, Romina Rivadonira, Camille Doc, Russell Dunk, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Rosa and Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian Owl, Takari Arant, Haley Hastings, Moster, Angelina Withard, Ross Marie Heise, Alex Bischolta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Ingen Odstadter, Mari Wynn, Alex Consolver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Inslin, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donifon, Ali Cap 29, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Kevin Harnoy, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Free Day, Jace Fedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cotham, Carrie D. Bagson, Andrea Crock, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Surjan Than Megupta, Netta Atabani, Tumnus Moran, Remy Fontaine, Matt Sferly, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zena Rosnowski, Colleen Mage, Harlan Haskins, Sheldarb, Noelia, Addy, Brian, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Cara Hamilton, Dorcas, Courtney Hemwood, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Plackey, Martha 
Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Skymart 6, Sarah Shatter, Peter Vostanak, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Fielding Lee, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Heather McMillan, Adam Bryan, Christina Walton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Heaven, Callahan, and Darius, Christy, Lily Leader, Williams, Wire Warrior, 4976, Floor Sake, Cyrus Garsfjord, Georgia, Vilay Donner, It's All I'm Ayala, Mitch Williams, Al Vega, Peter Wyckoff, Candy Kane, Skylar Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Kelsey Ulesian, Ellie Hoskovchova, Kelly Maynard, Luban Maleo, Akinwande, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Rebecca Todd, Lee Lili, Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Lika Faccio, Michael David Yordi, Nice Earmuffs Potter, Did Your Mum Make Them For You, Cara Hoyer, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Nadia Vansgaard, Andrea, Courtney Telfer, Galactic Sparkle Cat, Carrie Crumpler, Jamie Kingston, Lissy, Camilo Garcia, Connie Bienkowski, Janet Noel Dettili, Mary Matilla, Imo Sarah, Jennifer Went, Mylan Ilstad Johansson, Anastasia Blake, Jaden Allman, Nedry OS, Matt Barger, Riley Lane, Will Huser, Zephyr Lawrence, Artemis Peters, Brett Clausen, Connor Snell, Samantha Lentz, Kayla M. Simono, Aurora Fruhoff, Can't I Potter? And yes, I can! Web design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. All information about the show lives at PotterlessPodcast.com. Merchandise lives at bit.ly slash Merchon. And bonus content lives at Patreon.com slash Potterless. If you could tell a friend about the show or leave a review online, that helps so much. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, a wizard on! You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert. That's right, I'm the same Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to hear something similar, well, boy, are you in luck because I make a very similar podcast to Potterless called The Newest Olympian. That is the one that's going on currently. If you get caught up with Potterless, you will see that I only post episodes every month or so. But The Newest Olympian has weekly episodes, and that is a podcast with a similar structure to Potterless, but it's about the Percy Jackson books. That's right, I also didn't read those as a kid. So if you want to hear me going through that whole series for the first time, you can listen to The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Newest Olympian or going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. I've made my way through the first five books so far. I covered the first movie and the TV show. I did interviews with people who made the TV show, and I'm soon getting into the Heroes of Olympus sequel books. So again, that's The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts.